Money FM 89.3. Best of drive time. Under the radar. You're listening to Money FM 89.3, and it's now time for Under the Radar with me, Chua Tian Tian. India's retail scene is at the heart of our conversation, with the country being the fifth largest global destination in the retail space and expected to reach. Two trillion U.S. dollars in value by 2032, based on an analysis done by Boston Consulting Group. Now the question is, how do international brands get a slice of that booming Indian market? Well, perhaps the answer lies in licensees who operate and manage the brands and their place. Now, guest for today is Ace Turtle, a tech native retailer who holds the exclusive license to brands such as Lee, Wrangler, Toys R Us, and Babies R Us for India. Now, what is unique about the firm is That it adopts a vertical retail model where it controls the entire supply chain of brands, from design to manufacturing and distribution, both online and offline. So this has helped it to respond to customer needs more efficiently and effectively. And we want to find out whether that's the company's secret sauce to being able to sink its roots in the Indian retail scene. So for more, let's speak to Irvin Lim, Chief Strategy Officer at Ace Turtle. Irvin, welcome to the show. Hi, Tintin. Thanks for having me. Great to have you on, and thanks for joining us all the way from India as well. And Evan, we've briefly talked about this in the introduction, but do tell us more about Ace Turtle, your business model and value proposition, also your presence within India as well. Yeah, happy to share more. So fundamentally, and it was great preamble, but fundamentally we are in the business of branded retail. So we bring exclusive, we bring international brands into India via lic- exclusive licensing model that's long term. And what we do is we hold the full stack capabilities of doing design, manufacturing, sourcing, uh, and subsequently distribution, both online and offline. And what makes this particularly unique is that every step of the way, it's all integrated by tech data flows from end to end, which allows us to be a lot more responsive both to the distribution channels and also when we see customer preferences evolving. This data point and information is fed all the way back to the designers, which then influences the sourcing and the manufacturing, which allows us to stay very nimble and deliver the most up-to-date and relevant sort of content or retail pieces to the market effectively. Mm, and Irvin, we were chatting earlier. You did mention that in the early days of the company, you guys work on assess model, and now you guys technically are the licensees for the entire brand. How does it work? What was the change? Yeah, so we used to purely just run the tech part. We used to help international brands or uh, large brands in India to digitize their operations using our technology stack. And one of the things that we ran into, or rather, we discovered, was that there's a lot of Mindset, uh, mindset shift that's needed all the way from the top to the actual users. So while the tech was there, no one was really using it uh, that effectively. And because our founders, Barry and Nitin, Nitin and Barry, they both come with very deep retail experience. We decided, hey, you know, this is something that we can do it ourselves. So we make that pivot into doing uh, what we call a captive brand model. So now with Lee, Wrangler, Toys R Us, Baby R Us, and Dockers, we sign long-term exclusives. So, and we use that technology stack that we use to develop for others and 
build it in in house. Mm, so basically, you started out by helping retailers manage their data from uh, I'm guessing manufacturing, distribution, and that whole whole stack. And eventually, you know, if they are not using it, might as well I use it myself, right? I think the okay. degree of uh-huh. of changing mindset. Um, yeah. In a space that has been around for the past 180 years, mm. or actually even way before that, right? But in traditional retail, has been around for so long that changing mindsets is very, very difficult. So we decided that it's a lot. Uh, we can demonstrate, we can show the industry how it's done, and we can show them that hey, if you do this, 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 is something that allows you to respond to the changing preferences a lot quicker. On that note, you know, Elvin, take us through the retail landscape in India because I do understand that the retail scene is highly fragmented in India. We have independent kiranas or mom and pop shops being the go-to place for the man in the street. And according to a Forbes article, and I'm quoting here, it says this presents a unique opportunity for second wave retailers, those emphasizing multi-channel strategies where physical stores take a lower priority. Do you agree with this assessment? And is that why you're focused in India? I I would say this kind of challenges of Kiranas and mom and pop shops exists everywhere in emerging economies, right? And fundamentally what this means is the what you're trying to solve for is distribution. Because these mom and pop stores typically don't uh, get their stuff from a distributor who then gets their stuff from a main distributor who then gets their stuff from a brand, possibly. And the way that we are solving it is essentially we are going straight to the consumer. So we don't do any distributor model. We are direct to consumer, essentially, uh, across all the channels. So we do our own retail store. We we do our own department stores and uh, online marketplaces online web shop, those are our channels. So we go straight to the consumers, which allows us to get that sort of instant visibility and customer feedback rather than going through different tiers of distributors, which also in turn leads to more inventory tied in. So by going straight to the consumer, I own, I fully own my inventory. I fully know what is selling, what's not selling, what to push, what to manufacture more, what to double down on and what to pull back on. And this allows me to be a lot more flexible from an inventory holding perspective. Uh, so the turns on my inventory is a lot more efficient. So working capital is reduced, need for working capital is reduced, and overall allows me to be a lot more efficient organization. On multi-channel strategies, uh, we definitely agree that physical retail stores aren't the way that they used to be. You need to tie it with a brand narrative, both online and offline. So that's our approach. And I think our data point shows that. So we're doing about 50% retail online and 50% retail offline. And our data shows essentially physical retail stores still do well and it's still needed. It's still need, you still need to convey a brand story and brand narrative. But what is more increasingly important is essentially while after you communicate that brand story, you need to give uh, consumers a chance when they wake up in the morning and say, oh, today I want to buy a Lee jeans. Instead of taking a trip down to the store, I can buy it online in the exact same style and colour that I saw in store last week. So that's the way that we think about it. Just something off the top of my head. Could it also be due to the fragmentation of the market so that you know you need a go-to place to get the items that you want, which, which then increases the importance of online sales, right? Yes, for sure, for sure. So you see it offline. And of, more often than not, um, with a lot of the brands, you see it or you see an item offline and then you think you may not buy it today, but tomorrow you want to buy it. 
And then what you do is you go online, look for it, and suddenly it's not available because maybe online and offline inventory is different and things like that. Uh, they do different styles, different distribution models. So that's where we come in and we say, hey, you know, single, whatever you see online and whatever you see offline, you can buy online for sure. So that's the way that we approach things. Well, Irvin, on that note, let's move on to look at, you know, how often international lifestyle and fashion brands actually manage their operations in-house and how often do they actually outsource it to retailers like yourself and why is this the case uh, as far as India is concerned? So, licensing model or wholesale distribution model is an old-school business. It has been around for quite some time already. So, a decision that an international brand, uh, a brand owner, we call it, to make things easier, take is essentially how much money do I need to invest in this market? How well do I understand this market? How much money do I need to invest? How confident am I post-investment that uh, I will be able to reap the ROI within my business plan? So there there would be a time, especially when India is such a large market, uh, we do see brands more willing to do a licensing agreement rather than taking it fully in-house. Uh, there are exceptions, of course. Um, a good example is one of our competitors from a denim category device who's doing it by themselves. They are, so the way that they will approach it, uh, the way that typical international brands will approach it is, okay, I don't fully understand this market. I understand it from a data point perspective, but from a true local market, I don't fully understand. Then the next decision is say, okay, how should I approach distribution? How do I then land my brand into the country? So there's a licensing model, and that's where uh, they would tend to then outsource it to retailers like ourselves, which gives them a lot more control. So the relationship between a licensee and a brand owner is actually much deeper than as compared to a wholesaler who essentially just buys the inventory from the global line. So that's how they, in a way, think about entering new markets. As far as the Indian market is concerned, how often is it for international brands to adopt this licensing model? I wouldn't be able to put a hard number to it. I would say it's, yeah, I wouldn't be able to put a hard number to it. Mm, Okay. And uh, we talked about the difficulties for brands to enter into India on their own. So, Irvin, what is your secret sauce in sinking your roots in the Indian retail landscape then? Is it the fact that you're managing many different uh, different brands at once to achieve economies of scale? Or is it because you adopt this uh, vertical retail model that we talked about? Or is it because you have a full stack data ranging from you know design, manufacturing and distribution? Our technology is definitely our differentiation. The ability to do 50% online and 50% offline is no mean feat. And the ability to reach out to our customers when they see an item offline and they want to buy online is non is not not easy so it's so that i would say our technology stack is our secret sauce for sure the second thing that's also our secret sauce is after you build that technology the way the data flows from point from end consumer all the way back and informs our uh, design process this is crucial because it allows us to keep our products fresh we constantly innovate on our designs and bring what is relevant to the market in a more efficient manner. The way you think about it is we see jeans, for example. Jeans as a bottoms category, what was hot two years ago was the was the uh, skinny category, the skinny fit uh, type. And increasingly what is 
less that became less popular and if you continue to manufacture that skinny fit you will not be able to sell as much and but became more uh, desirable became the skin uh, the slim fits and uh, regular cuts so i so the way that the market evolves and the need to constantly have a pulse on that is our secret sauce because we know what consumers are buying we're not relying on a third party to give us those data so from an economies of skill perspective definitely uh, we have two brands, two denim brands, so Lee and Wrangler. That's underneath our belt that we manage. So that gives us economies of scale when talking to suppliers, when we talk about MOQs, when we talk about total product costs, that allows us that, uh, that degree of negotiations, which allows us to price better as well. This comes a little bit like a surprise to me because I thought you would mention your vertical retail model because when all the different operations are integrated, that's where you get to collect data from different points. Uh, any thoughts on that, actually? That's for sure. So remember, we talked about how data flows from consumer to design. That, so everything within that is vertically integrated. So the way that we're vertically integrated is we, would, oh, we have an internal design team we have an internal sourcing team. We don't do the manufacturing ourselves, but we have very close captive manufacturing partners. And, and then we do the distributions ourselves. So retail stores, franchise stores, online uh, online stores, those are what we own and the team to build around it. So all this information, right? So when the design team says, let's design bottoms, I have, I have the 80, 90 styles to design, for example. What should I do? Should I have a pocket? Should I have four pockets, five pockets? Should I have long, short, you know, 32 inch? 31 inch, what is it? So that's where the data, what we see the customers buying. So for example, thinking you go to a retail shop in Lee, for example, the moment you buy jeans and they go, hey, this is too long, we immediately offer tailoring services for you. This tailoring services, and you say, oh, Tintin's uh, jeans is not 31 and not 32, but 31 instead, for example. And uh, and what this information does is it gets aggregated across everybody who buys a jeans and everybody who gets an alteration, aggregators, bang, and we say, hey, look, 80% of our female consumers actually want a 30-inch jeans, not a 32-inch. So let's do 30-inch and we save money and, and all these comes out subsequently. So that's how vertically integrated looks like. If you're just tuning in, we're now speaking to Irvin Lim, Chief Strategy Officer at Ace Turtle. And so... Uh, this brings us to a very crucial topic here, Irvin, competition. Who would you then consider to be your main competitors? And how competitive is the retail scene in India? Are you looking at other licensees or are you looking at you know brands who manage and operate in-house? It's a tricky question, right? Because licensee obviously, so whenever in the licensee category or in the distribution category, we obviously have competitors, the traditional old school uh, type of players. So we definitely have competitors at that level. And when we land a brand and they sign up with us, we are their licensees and we start operating in India. Within those categories, there's, there's also a next level of competitor. So Lee and Wrangler, for example, they're denim jeans. So their denim category, so the most direct competitors would be Levi's and there are a couple of others as well. And the way that we think about this, so licensee, we can talk quite a fair bit on where our competitive advantage is this full stack technology. This allows us to stand out. Every time we, we share with a brand our performance and how, uh, what we've done with Lee and Wrangler so far, we've been holding them for the past two years, uh, they, get, they get blown away. So that's, uh, that is our strong capability. And on the denim side, uh, 
on in the individual brand's perspective, that's a different set of problems, uh, different sets of challenges, mm. rather. And I, I suppose deep coffers coming in from the big brands who has operations everywhere. <laughs> no, so the big brands who have operations everywhere, they we compete. Uh, so and if they land directly, that's the brands mm. that we are competing with. And so they would be rich, super rich. And how do we do it? Um, there's definitely some support from Lee and Wrangler, but mm. that's where the brandedness of the brand recall internationally. Um, make sense in India. We will. We only work with partners or brands that have that international brand recall, mm. and not some small brands um, that would be difficult to fight in that category. Mm, okay, it will be then a case of choosing your fight. Well, let's take a look at the financial side of things, Irvin. You mentioned that when you present to Lee and Wranglers, they were blown away. And according to Deal Street Asia, Ace Turtle claims to have doubled its revenue and become EBITDA positive, which is earnings before interest, taxes, depreciation and amortization positive in the financial year of 2022-23. Would you be able to let us have an idea of what numbers we are looking at right now and to what extent can this be attributed to your vertical integration model? Uh, so we're a private company, so we're not really able to share those information publicly. Uh, so that's a, so unfortunately we won't be able to talk too much, but essentially we're still on a, a triple digit percentage growth uh, outcome for this year, for this upcoming year. And the way that we're thinking about, uh, the way that we can attribute the vertical commerce, 100%. So we, 100% of our business comes from Lee, Wrangler, Toys R Us, Baby R Us, and Doctors. And the way that we split them is we have Lee and Wrangler in the scale up phase, we have Toys R Us in the incubation phase where we just launched it this year. Dockers, we just signed, uh, I think a couple of weeks ago, and we'll be looking to bring that brand in uh, first half of 2024 into India. So everything mm. is a captive brand model. Okay, and let's take a look at funding. Um, Irvin, Ace Turtle recently raised 34 million US dollars, I believe, in a Series B funding round led by new investors such as Vertex Growth and SBI Investment Company. And I believe back then the company said the money will be used to obtain licenses for new fashion and lifestyle brands, grow your talent pool, and support your aggressive growth plans. Tell us more about that. Yeah, so we raised 34. And of that 34, um, the intention for that is to continue to deepen our capabilities. We still have a lot to build. We started as a SaaS company, but we still have a lot more to build, with a lot more harmonization, a lot more data analytics, a lot more AI putting into our organization. And that requires investments into people. So a lot of our focus is building up the team. And as we bring in more brands, we need a bigger team. Um, we have shared services team that skills a little bit. We have direct support teams, business teams that would scale sort of uh, with the number as the size of the brand grows. So the way that we think about things is how can we use data, how can we use AI to reduce the, the number of people that we need to hire in such that we can be a lot more efficient and a lot more nimble. So that's where the 34 million uh, comes in. Of course, with Dockers coming in, it also requires initial investments as well with uh, Toys R Us and Baby R Us in the initial incubation stage requires investments. With uh, Lee and Wrangler in the scale-up phase, it requires more investment in marketing, more brand awareness campaigns. So that's how I sort of breakdown of the 34 proceeds. 
Mm. And finally, before we let you go, Irvin, you've mentioned Dockers quite a number of times. Uh, what can we look out for as far as Dockers is concerned uh, in the second half of the year or any other plans for your brands? For Dockers or for other brands? I'll leave it to you to, to decide. <laughs> so Doc- Dockers is very exciting, right? Dockers, internationally renowned brand. Um, you and I, coming out from Singapore, we both know of Dockers. Um, and they were actually in India. So they pulled out of India, I think, 20, 2008, uh, during the financial crisis, they pulled out of India. Um, and then now they're making a re-entry together with us uh, into India. So it's a very exciting story. So a lot of the Indian consumers know about Dockers. It's a completely different category, if you think about it, from a denim category. We go from a super casual, semi-casual style to a little bit more formal casual style. So um, I'm excited to see the the SKU lines. I, we've, I've been discussing with the designers and we've seen some uh, examples of the samples. And I'm very excited to bring Dockers into India for Indian consumers. And we think this will be a huge hit with the Indian consumers. Thanks a lot, Irvin. That was Irvin Lim, Chief Strategy Officer from Ace Delta. Thank you very much for joining us on Money FM 89.3. Thanks, Chen Chen. Before acting on the information on Money FM, please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation, and risk tolerance.